Hey everybody, this is Eric Frankhouse from EFP. It has been a little bit, um, and I have been holding on to this upcoming interview I'm going to play for a while, mostly because the audio turned out really weird. Recorded through Skype, I did all my editing and compression, see what I can do to fix it, but if there's a little sound quality that's not as good as you're used to, I apologize in advance. Well, what we're going to talk about today is a long-form interview with David Benavidez, another Iron GM competitor, a regional winner, fantastic guy, and I had the pleasure of doing cartography for an upcoming upcoming RPG adventure uh, for comic books. And we'll get into that into the show. But comic books are hard to run. Long-term comic book games, for me, harkens back to the days of Hero, Face Ripper Marvel, and even some mutants and masterminds in the later years. Currently, I'm more into the idea of running icons and masks uh, from from the Cypher system, from the Monty Cook people. But we go into a new comic book game I've never heard of. And David kind of runs it down, what it is for us. And we talk about the idea of how to run long-form comic book games and where the problems come from. So we'll quickly go into a little bit of a sponsor here, and then right after that, we're going to jump into this interview. I hope you guys enjoy, and again, I apologize for the audio. We'll get this stuff hammered out as as we continue on. We are back on track for doing weekly stuff. All the mics are fixed. All the shit is not a problem anymore, and uh, I hope you guys enjoy. Hey everybody, this is Eric from EFP. Today is episode 34. We're going to be talking about comic book RPGs. Comic RPGs are something that I've always seen as a kind of thorn in my side as a GM. I try running them. They never last long. I get two episodes, maybe three episodes in, and honestly, I should say issues in, before myself or the group decides I just don't want to do it anymore. And it's Hard to keep that long-running game. Now, I know home groups and groups online that run really long, you know, RPGs based on comic books, but I just don't know how they're doing it. And I brought today someone to talk with us, another Iron GM competitor. Um, David, if you want to give a little bit of introduction for yourself here before we dive into the the details. Yeah, thank you, Eric. Uh, my name is David Benavides. Uh, as Eric m- mentioned, I am a one of the Iron GM competitors. Um, I am also a brand new game designer. Um, I'm specializing in superhero games. Welcome to the party. I'm also a gamer. Um, I've been playing for a very long time. I'm an old man, so good 20 plus years. We'll just leave it at that. Um, <laughs> but beyond that, I mean, I'm pretty ordinary father of three. I don't know if that's ordinary, man. Father of three, game designer, Iron GM competitor, and making games. I mean, that's... I don't know if that's ordinary. It's a little extraordinary. There you go. A little, little extraordinary. Yeah, I'll pun on the thing for the day. Um, so before we go into the, the next section, I do want to talk a little bit about Iron GM. You were... You've been a competitor for a while. You perfect scored, if I'm not mistaken, at the semi... Like the regional finals, correct? Yeah. Okay, so I think you and I were the first two perfect scores. That that's correct. Uh, I had my rookie season uh, when I when I won the uh, Iron Gym regional competition at TotalCon for the Northeast. Yeah, uh, it was a perfect score. 
What do you, I mean, so do you still compete? Have you went to Gen Con and played much recently? Have you done any? Because I know they're not doing as many regionals as they, as they used to. Um, the last time I competed was two years ago. Um, due to like time constraints, I haven't gone there. I do intend to do a Gen Con, if not next year, the year, the year after, just to, just to have, just to be an Iron GM. Cause you missed, a, you missed some crazy intros this year. <laughs> we had, I have, I took every shirt from Iron GM that, that I've designed and turned them into a cape and cowl <laughs> and a gold <laughs> mask. I did a walk intro for it. It was pretty entertaining. We had a couple I, I, of the guys that are up in their game now too. Yeah, I, I've always liked that about the uh, the intros. It's, it's starting to get a lot, a little bit like a, a wrestling intro, which is awesome. Yes, um, well, that's cool. And, and FYI, I did see your intro. <laughs> oh, did you see it? Oh, okay. <laughs> it was super. To walk it like I talk. <laughs> yeah, walk it like I hate Pantera and walk it like I talk it. I spliced that together in the hotel room. And Roan's like, is this, is this a red radio edit? Is it clean? I can't have swearing. I'm like. I promise you, Roan, I'm not swearing in it. It'll be okay. Unlike the show. You can swear on the show. It doesn't matter. But no, there was no swearing, Roan. He was, uh, he, he didn't trust me. He almost didn't play it. <laughs> yeah, convinced. That's good. It was a good intro. Yeah, that was fun. I, liked it. I loved it a lot. So, I'm glad to have you on the show. It's awesome. I didn't know that you're only doing superhero stuff with your company. We'll get a little more into what you're doing towards the end. Uh, but I want to start with a new section we're doing, which is Random Encounter. It's on news, things that are going on in tabletop. They could be board game, RPGs. We may throw a video game in here after a while. We'll see. Is there, as the guest on the show, a topic that you would like to start with? We're only doing two. Um, yeah, let, you know, let's... Um, the, the Pathfinder Beta 2, I, I heard it's coming to a close. It is. Have you played it? I have. Well, you can give your positive, negative response, whatever you want on this. There's no, uh, there's really no whole bars here. We're not being sponsored by Paizo. I love you, <laughs> but no. Um, it is, it is okay. Uh, I guess that's the most positive I'm going to give it. Yeah. I, I am going to say that, um, honestly, I, I like the Indie Fifth Edition a lot better. I don't just. You know, it's 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 definitely a, a an improvement on what a lot. Of, it's a lot faster, a lot more efficient. I like the improvements they made, but I, I think uh, I think D and D lured me back. <laughs> and that's that's. I mean, we I know you did. You've been playing for as long as I have. You grew up with D and D, so fourth edition's what did us wrong. I mean, that's why we kind of, at least for myself, that's why I walked away from D and D. And Pathfinder kind of picked this up when they. Said, hey, 3.5, we'll make 3.75 a la Pathfinder and give you the same thing you've been playing because I don't think anyone was done with that system. For me, beta is rough. Totally agree. I, I'm right with you on that. Same thing. Uh, the, you know, fourth edition did kind of did us wrong. And I was like, you know, Pathfinder came in and it, it fit that niche, that, that, that niche that, you know, was better than 3.5 and it wasn't for 4E. So, yeah. No, 4E was a video game made for board games. Like, they even said that their idea for it was video games could be made from their system. And there were good qualities out of 4th, I think. Maybe not. No, yeah, there was two. Ritual casting was pretty cool. And then skill challenge rules and passive perception. Those are the best things that came out of 4th edition. Yes. 
Yeah, passive perception was, was good. But beta, I, I've been playing it as well. We, um, My group has been doing it about once to twice a month on my Sunday groups. I have a guy who really loves Pathfinder. We have not been playing a lot of it lately. We've mostly been playing Cypher System, Shadows of the Demon Lord, and 5e. And he wanted to really do this beta. And I saw they had the beta adventure. And we did the first two parts of the beta adventure. And I was like, guys, I can't run this fucking adventure. This adventure, you're going to be making new characters almost every time we play. You're going to get frustrated. There are facts coming out. And that's, that's part of the hurdles for how a, a beta test is run. But this beta test is being ran like a quality assurance group for a video game company. That adventure feels like do this level eight times. Tell me how many times you fall down the hole. I don't want that. That's true. It is. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's not how the last beta went. I'm sorry? Last beta wasn't like that. The last beta was no. take stuff, play with it, and tell us what you love or don't like. That This one, I feel like I'm, I'm in a um, cattle corral doing what they wanted. So I, I quit it and made my own like, really quick campaign setting called 10 Towers to run it. And we've had some fun with the system. There are some things I like, but I can't I can't nail down what I'm not enjoying. I definitely am just not enjoying it as much as 5e. And 5e, I've kind of waxed and waned with, and recently really diving in the mechanics for development. I actually really like the system. I just wish everything was an advantage and disadvantage. That's the only thing I don't like about the system. It's too much of the same thing over and over again. Um, you know what? I totally agree with you. Actually, I agree with you about the Pathfinder too. I think we played it. I think we played it. Well, I only played it like twice, so I, I'm not really a good um, barometer for that. But um, 5e, I really just restarted playing 5e and and starting to run 5e games. And let me say, I am I'm enjoying it. Um, the advantage disadvantage, yeah, it can get a little little repetitive, but I, I do. I like the system. It's 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 simplified enough that we're we're back to kind of being a role playing game instead of an R O L L playing game. Yeah, I agree with that. Do you think that has to do with uh, the simplicity of of the system, or do you think that has to do with the lack of books that are out right now? So I think Pathfinder and Beta is a great example. Beta has more content in it than I think we currently have for Five E between the four or five core books. Like there is so much content. Pathfinder hit bloat in version one. Some people loved it. Some people hated it. I, as a GM, started limiting books based on the campaign we were running. Um, like I didn't want occult stuff if I was doing high fantasy and so on. And there, that breadth of stuff that we got to play while cool became time consuming. Every book added, you know, minutes to making a character. Do you think that beta two is just too crunchy for what you as a GM currently want to run? Is that your is that your main issue with it? Like what's the big problem with two that you just weren't wasn't clicking with you? I it, it was. It was exactly that. I, I was I was coming to Pathfinder before was already starting to kind of grow on me because of all the books that were coming out. And all this, like, there was a lot of information. And yeah, me too. I had to keep limiting books when I was running something. Like, hey, you can't use this book. Or you can't use this part. Or you can't use this cat. And then there was just so much of it. And yeah, you're right. Pathfinder 2.0 is kind of an extension to that. Where they, 
they re there was a lot of stuff that they put into it. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it was a little too much, a little too much to bear. Now again, I haven't run Pathfinder two. It was just played. I played. Uh, so I, that's that's where my thing was. I played the player side. Did you enjoy character creation after you've done it? Did did you guys play the adventure path? Again, it was. I I felt it was there. There I felt it was like Pathfinder. It was similar. Like it wasn't like I, I wasn't any more enjoyable or any less enjoyable. It was just like all right, this is cool. I get the, it's it's definitely streamlined a little bit, but it, it still was like a lot of like I had to choose a lot of things. Like oh man, this is going to be tough. What am I going to play? You know, yeah. type of thing. Um, but overall, I mean, the rule systems are still it's still Pathfinder. Yeah, there's some big changes. Um, there's two that I really liked. Uh, one, two. Uh, there's two that I like. One of them I'm still not 100% sure on. The idea of the 10 over AC for crit fishing, where you can just hit three times. If, everybody can do it. Just go all out. Hit three times. Take your penalty. Hope for that 20 so you get a hit. And hope for 10 over for a crit. While that's fun for the players and for the GM, it, it can be a little aggravating. Um I, but I do love the degree of success to get a crit to show how skillful your X is versus your Y, your player versus your monster, your monster versus your player. If they're a higher level, they should be able to crit them more efficiently. I did like that, but I didn't like that ACs include my level. And I know that that level is supposed to be the barometer of, of skill. That was weird. We started getting used to it. But you're hitting Final Fantasy level DCs. Like, it's just kind of ridiculous. Like, I had a character who had like a 46 armor class by the time we were halfway through. That's ridiculous. We're not even level 10. And I also like the skill unlocks, how the, the untrained, the trained, uh, what is it, something in Legendary, that part of it, I really liked because it stopped a lot of the, oh, I have knowledge history. You have knowledge. Well, let's just all make knowledge history until someone figures it out. Instead, yeah. it's like, well, if you have a legendary or above or trained or above, make your check. You have a good chance of figuring more out. And that gave the GM the ability to say no without players stacking roles. I did really love those two things. But it still feels like a miniature game to me. And that's where my problem really lies. That is true. That, that's true. I, um, I, don't, I, don't think I, have, I don't think I have as much problem because I don't mind it. But... I love miniatures to a point, but everything is designed in that game around the square movement and abilities hitting squares away. My players, I got a couple who like it. I just, as a GM, don't want to roll a map out every damn time we go into combat. Yeah. Agreed, yes. No, that, that is true. I mean, uh, um, it, even the original Pathfinder was kind of really... It is. I think I've just grown away from it. I, I don't, I'm not theater of the mind. I still like a map on the table. But I don't want to have to count squares. Like, for example, um, Fantasy Flight, Star Wars, and Cypher System Numenera, you have an immediate, a short, and a long. And those amounts of movement are basically, you break it down for where you are. Like, oh, yeah, anyone in the room is a short movement. That kind of an idea, I can just put a map on the table then and put some pieces down to mark where we are and still have a very uh, deep combat and great narrative without having to worry about five-foot squares. Because as soon as... As soon as you pull away from the actual role playing, playing a character into the role, R-O-L-L, of rolling for miniature combat, the, everyone's mentality changes. It's no longer about their character. It's about five-foot movements and powers, and that stuff pulls me out of the story I'm telling as a GM. 
it's true. It does. Yes. Yep. It, uh, it, the tactical part, but I, I guess I play in a group that that's something that they enjoy. Um, so I guess that that the dedicate an entire session to that when you play them. I'm sorry. Dedicate an entire session to combat them when you're playing because it takes a long time. Yeah. No, it takes a it takes a quite a bit of time. I think it takes a, um, the majority of the time is, is if it, we have a combat, it's it's it takes a probably the session. We have enough, me included, because I like the role playing section of any role playing game. I tend to be a little bit more role playing, and I have to kind of even when I'm GMing, especially when I'm iron GMing, because you don't know who's on your table. I have to kind of like mitigate that, and like all right, I can't role play forever. I would love to. Um, like, you know, systems like fate were always good for me because I liked that storytelling, you know, like, Hey, let's talk and like, let, let's interact, but I, don't get me wrong. I like combat. Me <laughs> too. I, I like that. But you know, if you're going to, if you're going to, you know, put me against a corner, I, I do like the role-playing aspect a little bit better than the combat a- aspect of it. I think that's probably the reason that I, I mean, I agree with you that I'm enjoying 5e a little bit more. And again, this is beta. I'm not going to write it off. I'll wait. Till it's done and see where we're at then. I have a lot of friends in that company. Like I, I want them to do well. I just don't I don't think the cycle of gaming has went back to crunchy yet. Because there is a cycle. Like you, you know, you grew up in the time where we were playing Shadowrun and Mech Warrior and Rollmaster. Like there was a time Palladium. There was a time where crunch was everything. Uh, and we'll get into some of that when we get into the superhero systems here. But then there's the other parts where it is all about like the the role playing aspect of a game, and I think Five E helps portray that a little cleaner. But I, I I have some issues with Five E, and that's probably for better for a different show. But there's not a lot of systems right now, mechanical systems that are out that give rules to help support the role playing aspect. They just expect you to do that. Everything else is tacked on for combat. Yes. Unless you get into indie games like Blades in the Dark, opposite. Love that game. May be my favorite system out right now. Uh, but you don't get a lot of the role playing. So I, I have nothing else for Beta 2. I think for me, it's just going to be I'm going to wait until the final comes out. My group will continue playing 10 Towers just because I have somebody who really wants to be playing some Pathfinder. And, he, and when he's here in person, that's what we do. So is there anything else about Beta 2 for you that you. No. Over? That was. That's my thing. I think it's like I said. It's I've. It's okay. <laughs> it's really one of those. I really have no high, high or low opinion of it. I think it's. I'm gonna be like. I, I agree with you. I think I'm just gonna wait until it really comes out and then then see what happens. It's just beta. There's time to change. They might. Right. They might change some stuff and, and tweak it. Hopefully. Um, make it well, I think. More, I, I think that's. Yeah, exactly. I think that's the best way. I think we just kind of wait it out and and see what it is because right now it's just not. I don't know, man. It's just not up to snuff for me. It's not. It's not what I wanted, but it's. I don't hate it, and I'm hoping they can make something better. So I think for me, for my random encounter section, I, I've, I'm, I'm going to go with Five E. I'm going to go with the new gift set that came out from Hydro Seventy Four. Those, <laughs> those covers, that slipcase, and that screen is gorgeous. I'm a graphic designer, illustrator, and cartographer by trade. That book looks like the Volo and Xanathar Special Edition Guide, but full color. I don't know if you've seen these yet, but I I want a set. I really do. Oh, wow. 
Um, I just looked it up. <laughs> did you have a steam yet? I did. I just looked it up. Wow. Yeah, those are nice. Those are like, it's got a retro feel to it, but not too retro. Right. And, and it's still like, you know, the giant is on the front of the players because it's on the original art piece. That's uh, Acerac, I believe, for the the GM's Guide and the Monster Manual's Beholder. And I, I love that art style. It looks like the collector's edition for Volo and for um, for Xanathar's. I really want them. The screen's gorgeous. I think it's like, I've seen it for as low as 120, high as 160, but it's all three books. All the new facts are put in there, like everything that they've updated and a new GM screen. It's really not that bad of a price for what you're getting. I'm going to say around Christmas, though, you're not going to be able to find it anymore because I think this might just be a collector's edition set. I don't know if they're going to keep doing it. I, I think I got to ask Santa for this. I think I'm going to ask myself for it before Santa can't get it. Uh, yeah, Santa being my uh, my wife. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I, I love those. Oh, they're great and they're updated. I just I just want it on my shelf. Um, yeah, these are, but, these are nice. I know. And that guy's art. I don't what a, he's got to have that name for something. Like I need to look him up some more. But Hydro seventy four exclamation point! Like that sounds like a gamer tag. It does. I, I like that. I have to box to the box for uh, Wizards of the Coast forums or something. Oh yes, yes. A user, yeah, username or tag. Yes. Or a, yeah, or avatar. Yes. But yeah, so all right. Well, that's that's all I really want to say about that. For those who don't know about it, get one before you can't, because God, that's just gorgeous. Uh, well, I will mention this: Critical Role does have the Pumat Soul Week. For those who don't know about it, Pumat Soul is a character from Critical Role. I know I'm only usually doing two during this, but check it out because it's only a week long. They have a new uh, Vagrant shirt, and then I think he's doing voiceover work for your favorite video games. Where you can turn Pumat Soul on to be like your announcer during League of Legends, stuff like that. So check it out before that's up. I will mention that just as a quick news piece. So that's it for the news for random encounters. I guess it's time to get the superheroing. Let's let's get into the superhero breakdown here, everyone. Cool. Let's start running superhero games. This is hard, and and I mean hard because when you run the game, sometimes. Players and GMs alike don't know how to get on the same page, how to run a game. There's a lot of questions to ask. And and this is a genre where, luckily, growing up, we never thought we were going to see Marvel on the big screen. But we have. Not only do we have Marvel movies, we have Netflix series. Uh, we have DC doing whatever the swill is they do in the theaters besides Wonder Woman. And the CW shows that are, I guess, DC are pretty good. Like, your Flash and, and whatnot are enjoyable. But running these kind of games, running four color on up, you know, is a very different style of gemming and playing. And that's what we want to dive into today. How in the heck do you get into running a superhero game, keeping your players motivated, keeping yourself motivated, and what system to use? And these are kind of the things we're going to go over today. So, David, I know you're working on a superhero game. Yeah. I'm sorry, not a game, um, adventure. You guys are using a new system. It's not the old Face Ripper, the Marvel Face Ripper, which, if, if I remember correctly, Face Ripper was the stats, correct? Yes, Face Ripper was the stats. Yeah. So, and it was a really easy game where you flip the book over, there was a chart on the back, but now you're using a new system that's even easier? 
It's um, it's actually the successor to Face Rip, or the, what they call it. They call it the four color system because the chart in the back was four colors, yep. uh, or four C is the other word that they throw oh, out there. Their system. Um, sorry, the system that I'm using is is called um, well, my primarily go to system is a system called G Core. It's by a company called Dilly Green Bean Games. They are out of Maine, and the one of the owners is a friend of mine named uh, Jay Libby. Okay. Uh, but he introduced me to the game actually at a gaming convention, a local gaming convention called TotalCon. Oh. Um, and I kind of fell in love with it because it kind of, it was, it, re- it was, gave me the nostalgia of the old face strip. The problem I had with face strip is it was always, you have to, you have to have the chart. I mean, yeah, granted it's right in the back of the book and you have to roll it. This one did away with the chart and basically you roll a D10, you have a difficulty rating. You conquer difficulty rating. The higher you conquer it, the more spectacular you, you accomplish the the uh, the challenge. All right. So that's and that's your go-to right now, and what you're doing. You're currently adventure design, which we'll we'll talk about the adventure designing later on, where people are able to get it. But that's your current system that you use for comic book games. Correct. Yeah. All right. So for me. It has the face rip uh, abilities and the old ranking systems where you had you know, okay. rank, the old ranks where you're like, you know, poor, under, you know, poor, good, mighty, heroic, uh, you know, legendary, all those, the ranking systems. To help um, give you an idea of how strong that power or stat really is. Correct. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's a huge problem we have when we play superhero games is things like, yeah, but how good is a seven compared to a five for super speed? Those problems are huge, and and that's that's part of the issue we run into every time we play a game that there's not charts, even basic charts explaining like, well, what is a ten? Can I move a mountain with a ten? Like that kind of stuff becomes an issue. So I guess we'll get into the basics. If we were right now today deciding that you and I were going to play a superhero RPG with a group of friends. We should probably start with the basics. Systems, the power level, and the style are the first three components for me before I even started designing an adventure that I would talk about with my group in Discord or in person. So my systems of choice would be either icons, which is very simple. It's a D6-based system, really clean. That is done by Kenson and Hauser. Um, I believe Green Ronin published it for them. And it's the ad and Finitum, I think is what it's pronounced, Adventures. Love this system, super flexible, quick hero creation. And there's a part in this that I love that after you create your hero, the person to your left creates your nemesis, your villain. So you just pass them a sheet and they make your villain that now is part of canon. And as a group, when you're done, you kind of have a superhero group and a villain group that you're dealing with. And it takes a little of the pressure off of the GM from having to create all that stuff. Fantastic system, probably one of my favorites. And then one you can't buy anymore because the license has been pulled, but there's ways to find it. We all know that shit. Marvel Heroic Role-Playing Game. This is from Margaret Weiss Productions. This uses dice pools. I actually use this to run a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game. So probably one of my favorite systems. It's it's an adaption of the Cortex system. You could use the old Face Ripper. Uh, what else? You mentioned a DC, a DC system as well before we got on the air. 
Um, well, I, I, there was DC Heroes, but I never played it. The other, the other one was uh, Mutant Masterminds, was my other system that I used to play. It's a newer um, version of it, don't they? Mutants and Masterminds. I thought they, they do. I have, I never, pl- I haven't played it in 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 a very long time. Probably, I probably played the original, and then uh, my group moved on, uh, and we, and I never played it again. So that, a- that, that goes back to your what you were saying about um, what the conversation that we had about one of the problems is that suddenly you know you play three or four sessions or issues or whatever you want to call it and then they just want to move on to something else it's never consistent it's always been um until recently i mean i i've i've it's always been a one shot two shot nobody not everybody showed up so let's play a superhero game that's how i've always encountered it myself uh i don't know about you but it that's how I've I've played my superhero games a lot, yeah, um, for sure. So it is that is definitely one of the the major problems. It can get a little, it it, it can get a little if people everybody has to agree to play for it for a, a while. Now I've had when I was younger, um, we had multiple sessions where we we went through. I think we played for a good year one just a superhero game, and we were. It was almost X Men based again, like you were saying. Like if I was going to start the games, um, I would definitely talk to the group because you have to know um, the system. Uh, yep. You have to know what style you want to play. <laughs> I mean, there's different. So you want to play Galaxy, you want to play, you know, uh, Cosmic Heroes, and you want to play, you know, people on the street or street fighting heroes like Daredevil. Like Daredevil, right? Exactly, Daredevil, or or do you want to play like in between, where you're like the the Avengers, where you're not quite cosmic, but not quite, um, you know, street level. Yeah, so, it, it's that's a hard choice, man. Like, yeah, in this with a GM, a lot of depending on the system, if you're playing mutants and masterminds, doing that that really high end fighting Galactus level combat, the GM's doing a lot of prep. Yes. Yep, it is. It's like running twentieth level in D and D. Yes, pretty much. And that and that's and that's it, it is it, it is even even with face rip, when you get to that high level, it, it's like running twentieth level in D and D. You're like at that point you're you're dealing with cosmic beings that can do a lot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they can do things that you know, um, you know, like t- wishes almost. <laughs> oh, yeah. Shunting people to other universes and timelines. Level adventure. Yeah, well, Dark Side. Uh, when I was running a DC version using Champions, someone had converted all the DC heroes into Champions, and he'd hit you with his beams, and all of a sudden you were in an alternate timeline. What? Like, how am I supposed to prep for that? Like, there's just there's uh, more I had, to um, any other game. Uh, the Beyonder. For for me with with Marvel, I think we played one game where we there was cosmic heroes that were going that we were going against. Uh, now I was a player, not a GM. We were going against the Beyonder, which was pretty much, you know, almost like going against a godlike being that could just change reality like that. And it, it was it was fun, uh, but yeah, it was it was a tough. I, I, it was tough. It was very very tough. Um, so that's definitely the basics that that I've that I would definitely discuss just the level of the power level that you want to be at. Because if you, I, I have played in a game uh, where the power levels were different 
Mm-hmm. It was not fun. And, it, and that didn't last very long. Like, you know, hey, I am, I am, I barely, I'm Batman and, and I have, and I'm fighting alongside, um, you know, this, this being like this cosmic being that knows everything. It's omnipotent that can alter reality. Well, great. He's when he, he's basically the, the guy who goes in and fights and you're just sitting there going, yeah, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and we, we had that problem too, where, so, you know, talking about running with power level, and I've always tried to use the comparison of comics. Like, do you want to be as powerful as the Avengers or do you want to be, you know, the defenders? Like there's a, there's a power level difference there. The thing for me is in the Avengers, there's a huge gamut of power level difference just there. Like what Captain America can do and who he is and his shield, one of my favorite characters compared to Hawkeye or, or compared to, you know, anyone who has an infinity stone at that time is very different. Their power levels aren't, they're not all in the same spectrum. Um, and running numerous power levels can be done, but your GM has to be conscious of not only what you can and can't do, but how far you can push your character. There, in every superhero game that I can think of, there's that ability to push beyond your powers, like to do the next thing that you should not be able to do, to shape your powers and the things. The GM really needs to be aware of that stuff. He should have a nice little dossier of each of the characters so that when he goes to write his adventures, he knows he is keeping things within the scope of what you can do. Maybe sometimes you got to push. Maybe sometimes you don't. But running a street-level game with also galactic-sized characters, not quite as fun. And it's not going to be fun for either one because if you play down to the street levels, so you're not killing them, your galactic person's going to be bored out of their mind. So try to keep them in the same area. Make that team all within that close power level if you're playing a team or, or however you're going to do that. Um, try to keep the power levels similar. I think that's huge. Just like D&D, you don't want someone 10th level, someone 5th, and someone 1st. While in theory, yes, we see it in TV shows and movies, it just doesn't work on the tabletop. At least I don't think it does. David, do you? Like, I don't think I've ever had that work. No, I've never had it work. Um, I, and somebody's going to be left out and be bored. And, and what's the point of playing any kind of game unless to have fun? Right. So it's just not, I agree, it's just not fun. Um, and it may be fun for one or two, but not for everybody. And that and that's a failure in the part of of ha- of of the role of the game of the of the purpose of even playing. <laughs> it's rules. Rules become problems when that stuff's going on. Yes. Um, again, and then the other thing, um, you know, the style of play. I mean, you, you want to get everybody. You know, do you want? Do you how how is the style will dictate the story really? Yeah. Yes. If you want Frank Miller's Batman, or do you want the you know the blue and gray Batman? Or yeah, or yes, exactly, or the the one from the TV show. Right. Which which Batman do you want? I mean, right. Um, exactly. Which 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 style do you really want to play? You want to want to be more of a dark hero, or do you want to be more of an anti-hero? I mean, it, there's different, definitely different styles, and it, just like just like going back to the uh, the power levels, if you have two people who are playing drastically different styles, there's there's some friction. It's, it's kind of like playing with, you know, I hate to throw this in because I really don't like alignments, but if you have the, <laughs> the lawful good paladin playing around with the chaotic evil tiefling, 
there's going to be some conflict and that can get either that can get weary after a while. Well, inner conflict can work if the players are talking about it out of character before they really get into it. Uh, also, I think the best like example for me for comics is Punisher on his own is a violent individual that murders people and it's blood and gore. But Punisher with Spider-Man, they tone him down. They change the character a little bit in scope. And maybe, you know, you can explain it away however you want, where it's the Punisher doesn't want to upset Spider-Man, Spider-Man's telling him we don't kill and is stopping him. You can you can coat that however you want, but keep that in mind when your group is building out. Like if you got a bunch of murderers on one side of the table and a bunch of heroes that don't, you need to really lay that down in stone before people even start putting stats together or powers together. Hey guys, we're a group who doesn't kill. That is not our style. We'll fight people, we'll beat them, we'll take them into justice. But you you know, those strong ideological tropes are the things that that your group should kind of latch on to because that's what superheroing is about and that four color of the golden age the dark and gritty the cinematic styles that should be laid down before you even start designing characters just so people don't make a punisher and go well, what do you mean i can't kill people so exactly exactly you're gonna get um and it goes back to one person's going to have a lot of fun and the other person's not. And it goes against the whole principle of why we're, why we're playing. Um, but I, I totally agree. And, and style is very important to, to figure out before or just having a group discussion of what what can and what's going to happen with the group. Um, right. I think that's probably the best way to, if you're going to do different styles or different anything like that, discussion and talking and just laying it out like, hey, this is what's going to happen. I don't know how, how, how much you're going to fit in there. Right. Do you, so really quick before we move on to designing our first adventure for styles, when you sit down to run a game, do you talk about, Hey, we're going to play Marvel DC image and style. Cause I mean, image was a very different comic book company growing up with Savage Dragon and, and, you know, Man of War and things like that. Do you decide kind of what you're going to run based on um, comparison to comic book companies that are out and then down to a comic book style, Batman, Avengers, Justice League, you know, whatever it is? Do you do that before you start your game or are you running a totally custom set piece when you run your superhero games? I, I usually I usually run a custom set piece. Um, I have if the group has a decision. Or, or just as a thing like let's play, let's play Marvel for example, well we'll we'll play Marvel and then we just have to decide where where we're going with the Marvel what 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 version of the X Men are we going to play mm-hmm. are we going to play the nineteen you know sixties versions where you know the discussion of differences is going to come into play or are we going to play like the 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 nineteen eighties version where it was like you know Wolverine and let's fight the bad guys and you know, oh, come on. we all know the 80s cartoon was the better version yeah there you go uh i mean it's still there when everybody's mutant and anti-mutant and all that but right it was more of uh it was more aggressive i guess to say it to say yeah way. very much so that age of comics in general were though right and then we get into the 90s when images really take it off and they got you have spawn coming out of that so so yeah i so you run your own custom one um that's a lot more work yes that means you have your own villain canon and, and your own world canon. Do you still run that on Earth? Yes, I still run it on Earth. Uh, 
I, I it is it's it's definitely it is definitely an, an earth based thing like most com- you know you're more comfortable where you where you start off from uh, knowing where you're coming from so earth is, right. is the home but yes i have i do have uh my own villain concept uh my own my own uh version of, of the government um so to speak uh it is it is like the u.s government but i mean the world's still the, the same but it's it's the U.S. government is a little bit, a little bit more different, and so is the, and so is the way they react to. In my world, I, I call them, they're supers, they're are enhanced, just like mm. you know, taking it from a TV. But really, you know, that's what they are. They're more, they're more than human. Yeah, I run, I run one in Volt City, but it's more like Batman Beyond is the one I run, where there's. Atlanta, Georgia is now known as Atlantis and is raised out of the out of the ground. And most of the United States has been flooded at this point. And everything's kind of built above it in these like floating pocket cities because everyone wanted sci-fi, but I wanted to run superheroes, so that's what came of it. <laughs> <laughs> so mine was I ha- I was very influenced by uh, one of my favorite comic book uh, comic books, the X Men. So they were really so my my version of everything is very influenced by the conflict of humans versus non-humans. What's, you know, in this world, uh, at this point in time, um, there was, you know, a, a, a high level disaster. So the government response was quick and decisive, but instead of doing like the mutant registration act, they decided to combat it with their own division of government that handles mutant, that not mutant relations, but handles relations with non-humans, metahumans, or whatever you want to call them. Right, right. And uh, this, the the division itself is actually run by a superhuman. Um, uh, you know, again, I had a, I had a, if when we get into the the, the problems with it, the things is is figuring out what what's original. Yeah. Um, you gotta, you gotta accept the fact that you're probably going to, if you're if you're going through and creating something for superheroes, resign the fact that potentially there's a superhero just like that somewhere else in the comics. There's gonna be. There's gonna be. <laughs> yeah. Just, if you accept that and and you're okay with it, you're, you just realize that yeah, there's gonna be something. I mean, come on, DC and Marvel did it all the time. Yep. <laughs> they, they, Super they stole from each other all the time. The only original character is Lobo. <laughs> yeah, true. Lobo was very original. He's 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 one of a kind. <laughs> he's a motorcycle galaxy bounty hunter. Like I, he belongs to Star Wars. Like I don't... <laughs> yes, yes, he does. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's original. So so you at this point in our design, you pick your system, you pick the power level, your street level, your your galactic, your in between. You picked up, you're doing a four color, golden age, dark and gritty, something cinematic. Now you're designing your first adventure or issue or issue zero. De- designing your first adventure for me has always been the meetup. Unless I am labeling the comic, the name of the supergroup already. Like if it's the Avengers or if it's the Defenders or if it's the Teen Titans, I may glaze over how you got together. And do it issue zero later on, because 
What I have found for myself is it takes players one to three issues to really nail down their personality and how they're going to play. Because let's be honest, PCs and players don't sit down. They don't write out their character's morale compass and who they are and a lot of their backstory and and really actualize who they're going to be. They do that through play. So sometimes we'll play one to three sessions. And then after that, I'll be like, all right, guys, we're going to do issue one or issue zero or whatever it's going to be. Because for me, following the idea of a comic book arc, issues, you know, one through whatever, and having arcs that are like six episodes or six issues or 10 issues allows players to stay on base like they were reading comic books. I even describe my scenes and panels a lot of times, but very broad strokes of them, like a wide panel, you know, splash page, you see X. When I design my adventures, I design that way. I design them in panels. Um, But the panels aren't every little panel. It's broad strokes. Like in this panel, they're going to be handling this thing. And the meetup is this. And I know I want this environmental set piece to be this. And then after that, I want them to move to another place. And I do it that way because for me, it keeps me in the comic book state of mind. I literally draw boxes on the page, write things in them. For me, I'll sketch and then write notes around them to, to kind of get my set pieces together. But I always make sure that I let the players know what we're doing for the first issue going in. Because comic books, unlike adventure games like D&D, is you're not dungeon running. And it's a grander scope. So I try to give them a little precursor before we start. Those are my general first adventure design notes. David, is there anything you do for your first adventure designs like that you every time for superhero games do that are different than normal games? Definitely, the decision can either be like like you had mentioned. Um, either they've already met and they're you're working together, um, which or they're just meeting each other for the first time. Uh, and generally, I tend to to go the easier route and just have them they're part of a group uh, that's already been met. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be that one of the one of the new people is it's a new member or, or whatever um, that sometimes gets thrown in. Um, I you know it's not. I do also enjoy the meetups because I I do like the role playing aspect of of, of Yestic. You can role play superheroes, not always combat, um, and just having them come together first time or engaging the the enemy all of a sudden together. Um, usually that that's how I I introduce them um to it like there's either something that's happening and their circumstances have brought these people together for whatever reason uh and now they have to learn to work with each other uh or they've already been working with each other that's pretty much the simplistic way of doing it uh i don't do anything different i do i do do an um my biggest thing is i i just do outlines me too Uh, i outline what what the story like the basic beginning of the story who they're going to encounter why they're encountering him and i basically set those guidelines maybe i'll throw in a couple of um of of, of simple story uh quests i guess like stupid mm-hmm. little things in, in between but in general it's just like an outline just kind of almost a similar like this is the beginning middle and this will be the end point. And I let them try to 
run it. Now, again, the, the, the thing is, sometimes they go a little off what I want them to do. And, what do you mean? Players don't follow what you have planned? Right. <laughs> they kind of veer off a little bit um, yeah. where they're not going to hit that that middle mark or they're not going to, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're circum, they're not going to, they're not going anywhere near where I want them to be. Um, but I feel like that is the style of play I'm most comfortable with. And I, the, the style of GMing I'm most comfortable with is basically letting the, 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 having that idea of what the story want, the, the beginning, middle and end and having the characters kind of go through and hit those marks or hit the surprises because you know that's the one thing I, I do like throwing every once in a while is throwing a, a quick surprise or a twist in in there. Yeah, I've I've been toying with the idea of so I do plotted adventures for my Patreon where it's an outline, a map attached to it. And that works really good for fantasy and sci-fi and whatnot. But for superhero, I've really been thinking about doing uh, a note card layout where you have a note card with the information on it for that that. I believe set pieces are huge in superhero games more than they are even in other games. And I say that because travel is not an issue in most superhero games, unless you're playing a game where it is strictly in one city and you don't have a massive form of travel. As soon as you pass street level, people can get anywhere in the globe pretty quickly. Have it be X-Men with a Quinjet or if it's, you know, you have flight or super speed, whatever you can get across the coast, you know, coast to coast pretty quick. And I found that set piece arrangement works really well. I've been thinking about doing note cards where it has a set piece name on the top, what it looks like, description, possible perils, or things that players could use at advantage. Because the idea of players using their powers in combination with the environment is always a big thing to me. The Marvel system, Marvel Heroic that came out, not the old Face Ripper, but the newer one, you can actually take points from your pool and allocate them to setting something on fire to cause environmental issues. I love that aspect of being a superhero, being able to do things with your environment. If anyone's ever played the Batman super or the Batman uh, video games, it's a prime example of him using it. Or the new Spider-Man, you're pulling things out of you know out of the ground. You're you're whipping barrels at people. So I put some environmental pieces there, and I take this stack of cards that I have that are all these different set pieces. I have my story and outline written out like we just talked about, and then I play those pieces in front of myself. As the players go from place to place as reminders, because making note cards does not take long. And in the right hand corner, I may put a little icon piece that says um, dangerous, you know, almost like face ripper. I probably do like easy, medium, hard and stick those there for possible things. If there's super villains there, if there's police there, if there's mutant hunters. And I think that's how I'm going to run my next superhero game, because I've run into the problem for myself is. Well, we're going to fly across the country and hunt down, you know, the vulture. And he's, you know, he's in New York and he's in a sky rise. Like, well, I didn't have a sky rise ready. Oh, wait, I have a card for a sky rise. There's only so many set pieces that you're going to be using. And then you can have custom ones for that adventure. What do you do, though? You get your first adventure designed. You have your inspiration for your comics. You even talked about your players going off the rails. And how do you get them back on the rail? Like, what do you do to bring them back around? Usually, it, it's it, again, you know, I usually, if they're really off, off where I want them to be, I, I, um, I give them not so subtle reminders that they're not going in the right direction. Yeah. Um, maybe, um, for example, you, you know, with the vulture, 
maybe they're supposed they're supposed to go to the sky rise and instead they're going to florida uh the, the sky rise in new york and head, they're heading towards florida for whatever reason well maybe you know just a quick reminder on the radio that that new york was some villain in new york flying around that looks like a vulture just attacked a bank you know something that would give them a clue or some kind of inkling that you know you're not he's not you're going to florida he's not in florida unless you, no, you come know, on guys he's not in florida there's no reason to go visit Disneyland yet when they, they really need you in New York. And I find that 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 um, while getting them back on the rails as a GM and a lot of new GMs and a lot of veterans just forget we are there to facilitate a story with the players to make it fun. We are not there to beat the players. And that that war gaming mentality, I feel like it's been bred from things like Two more horrors back in the day where you're dungeon running to kill your players up to, you know, more of the new things with I don't want to say they're guilty, but Pathfinder, fourth edition miniature combat, where it it becomes a board game where it is about winning to a point. You got to keep in mind as a GM it's to tell a story with your players and to have fun. So if they are missing a piece of information, find a way to get it to them, even if it's in a different venue, if it wasn't the way you thought you were going to give it to them. If they fail a check, you could still give them where the vulture is, but just give them the building across the street, giving the vulture the element of surprise. You you can give them information. And, and if I've learned anything from indie games over the last five, ten years, failing forward is more fun than failing. That is exactly true. It, it is exactly what usually I will, I will do. I mean, um, they... In any game, when they when a player has decided that you know, or the players have decided to go the wrong way, I I don't feel like you know the heavy. I, I don't like the heavy. I, I don't like being the, the DM versus players. Right. Um, I don't like being in a game where that's the case. Um, I feel like it, it. You know, especially at that point, it's it, it's exactly right. It becomes a competition game. It becomes like a board game. And I, I, I'm not there to play board games. I'm, play, I'm playing a role-playing game. Yep. So I want that... So giving them the, the subtle clues or, or, or just giving them... Even if they fail the... Like you had said, just even if they fail the check, I, I might, even if they fail it, I might just, you know, not even have them roll. I might just give them the information like, hey, this is where he is. Um, though having them do that is actually a good idea and I might use that going forward. Um, but the, the fact that, um, you know, you just, if they're really off the beaten track, you, there's ways of making them come back a little bit. Yeah. Um, you have to, that's your job having, as a GM. Right. Just having that, that thing. And because I, I agree, it is a, um, that you and the, and the, and the, um, the players are making the story. It is still, a, it's still, a little open-ended story. Oh yeah, for factors sure. that can come in where it, it, it can change things, and that's the that's the glory of being in a role-playing game is that you can affect the story. You can, yeah, as a player, you can go in and, and change things and make and some. And I do enjoy when a player unexpectedly does something. Yep. Like that 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 goes. Oh wow! You know what? This will change the entire thing. But it's cool. I like this. So, I you know I. I you know, best sometimes the best laid plans are not are unexpected. Yeah, and I 100% agree with that. And I think that the other thing that is different in superhero games than running a a typical fantasy or sci-fi game is 
you're dealing with people who have powers beyond what normal people have, mortals have. And that idea is framed heavily in comic books that you, know, you have your X-Men and mutants being outliers and people hating them, but they save people all the time. There's a divide on that. And you see it even in, in TV shows. And um, if you're watching the Netflix series, people who are afraid of the Marvel characters you see in Netflix series are the ones that, that are wearing their shirts. I think the new Spider-Man Homecoming that came out has a great example of that with kids wearing Spider-Man shirts while the ones being afraid. J. Jonah Jameson hates Spider-Man, but really has no reason to hate him. It's just part of his news. He, that guy saves the city daily. Sure, he causes a lot of destruction, but if he didn't stop people, everyone would be dead. There is a skeleton as a GM that you make, and you and the players put flesh on that skeleton being the story, which you're going to run to make it look different at the end of the day. It isn't going to be your initial design, so never dive so deep that when the players change something, you're going to be upset. Because in superhero games, they're going to change shit more often than they do in any other game. They have the ability to do stuff that's just out there and just wild, like teleportation and combining powers together, which is going to come in our next section here. That stuff you have to be ready for. Oh, totally agree. Yeah, that's expecting unexpected if you're running a, a superhero game. Definitely. Yeah, it's the norm. Yep. It becomes the normal. So and don't fall in love with any NPC as well because... Oh, they're going to... No one has to die in superheroes, though. That is no. the difference. No, but they will be defeated. I guess the, the not to die, but they'll be <laughs> defeated. If, if you get, if you get, you know, a little bit of, <laughs> if you get upset that your guy's defeated, then yeah, so yeah no. Might not his to get his butt kicked. Yeah, exactly. You, you want to get butt hurt because your 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 super villain got got knocked out. I remember running an X Men game where they encountered Magneto, and I was super excited that it, well, I was going to get to play Magneto, and he did not last very long. <laughs> exactly. He got Walloped by Cyclops, Iceman, and Jean Grey. Walloped. It was very yes. sad. I actually, um, I had one where uh, I was actually, I ran something. It was also Marvel, kind of funny. Uh, I was playing Galactus, and the group of superheroes there, um, they, 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 kicked, they kicked his ass. I don't yeah. think he lasted very long. Yeah. <laughs> they, they just demolished him. And yeah, it's, it's it, it was like, wow. You know, it's just like, wow. <laughs> I do find that players love the idea of never being able to die, though, to a point, because it makes them do more extreme things. When there's no fear of death, because most superhero games have a way to not die. And I find that they do crazier and crazier things when they realize they're near invincible. Like, for us, when a player got tired of a character, we would retire him, like you do, like, Logan when Logan dies or Wolverine dies. We'd be like, hey, do you want... I'm tired of playing this guy. Can we kill him off or retire him in a way? And we would do an entire issue on the death run for him. And then maybe later on, he'd get brought back as a villain. That kind of stuff is awesome. You have to lean into the tropes. So issues is going to be the next one. How many issues or sessions do you run? Do you plan this out? I usually do say, like, hey, guys, we'll play six sessions. And then you guys can decide if we're going to renew. Um, I... I do. I usually, like I mentioned before, um, before I go on there, I want to touch touch back on the tropes. Oh, okay. Um, and cliches. Don't be afraid of no. using tropes and cliches in a superhero game. You should be leaning into them. 
Right, exactly. Do not be afraid to 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 take that and, and run with it, because really, especially especially with comic books, it's been done before, so it's okay to run with a, a trope. It's okay to to have that going with it. Like I said, it's okay to have um, the the superheroes, um, you know, humans versus metahumans or or superhumans or or you know non-humans whatever it's okay that 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 trope's probably been played but it works especially in a superhero game it's all about filing filing the serial numbers off and making it your own exactly exactly it's it's about doing those things you loved in comics growing up making it your own and, and also encourage this is the one time that i think player creation should be done together at a table instead of being done in a bubble at home I think that for most games, but for superheroes, I think that heavily. And the reason being is when powers are getting built and players are building a character's powers, you start seeing combinations happen between the players. It's like, oh, I can do this and I can do this. And you see this build happen where not everyone has super speed. Not everyone has flight. Like they literally try to build and bounce ideas off each other. So don't let them build by themselves. Do it at the table. If that's your session zero, if session zero is making characters and a little bit of role play in between, like I love doing that when making characters. If someone picks their first power and I go, how did you find out about that power? Like, when did that occur? And they may not know right away. And I'll go to the next person, I'll build a character and they'll be like, hey, I know how I got that power now. And you just put a five minute cap on it and role play that little scene. And it helps build background for those superheroes. So that when you play issue one, People have information about their their characters right off the bat. So I highly recommend doing that. Look into maybe doing some background cards. Background cards are great. Um, that is a company who made them where you, you pull out cards and there's a superhero set now where we did this first issue together uh, and one of us got really injured. How did it happen and why? That kind of stuff can be pivotal to making a strong superhero group. But lean into the tropes, man. Love triangles not liking mutants, fires afraid of, uh, you know, ice, like, and so on. Like, lean into that stuff. Yes, exactly. Um, yes, and, 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 and I agree with character creation. Character, I think in superhero games, character creation together is almost a, a, a pleasure. Like, I, I, back in the old face rips um, days, there was a Ultimate Powers book where you, yep. where you could randomly roll your powers and we we used to do that quite often it was kind of fun i remember and this is years ago so you always remember the you know the good games you always remember right <laughs> i randomly rolled a character who had wings and all this like um like ability to th like smoke bombs and a whole bunch of other like little and claws um so and then my other my other friend that we it was there was a couple of us and another friend rolled a character that was a tech wizard so immediately we were, he was my, he was my tech guy. I was, I was the, I had all the, all my powers derived from him. So he's building your gear. Building my gear. And it was, it was so much fun. We actually kind of went through a few, uh, a few sessions that way, but it was just like, he was building my gear and it, it was, it was kind of cool. And we had, you know, he, I had these awesome claws. He, he advanced them to be like vibro claws um you know you built shadow rocks yeah oh yeah it was it was it was it was awesome it was it was really really cool and i had these like um 
like these bombs that I could throw, and and my wings were like almost like the angel of um, angel of, the, of death from Marvel, one of the four, mm-hmm. where he could you know where Angel became the death and he could he would razor wings. It was it was it was really fun, and, and for him he had he was kind of like an Iron Man, so he had his own suit, so we could go in combat together. But it was the the you know it was kind of cool, like that was a you know a neat play, and it, it, it was really fun. So that's that's a good thing is, is if you because we were together and, and making those characters together, we kind of bounced each, each other. And uh, that's awesome. And I know that um, Iron GM Godzilla, Alex Jackal, yep, he has a game, and I, I, haven't, I haven't played it. I've only heard about it in a con, where he, the, the, the character creation is inter, interactive. Yep. Like, um, I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna, I don't, I'm gonna be honest with you, I, Right now, I don't remember exactly how it works, but I know that player A helps player B with his powers and, and vice versa. There's something going on there. Yeah, that's and why I like that and, Icons game. Same reason. Yep. Exactly. So there you go. It, it, and, I, and he, that was his, he does play it in, in, in a lot of the cons. But that was, again, another thing where kind of cool where players interact with each other. And that's, that's a, a positive in the terms of, of, of playing a superhero game. Yeah, I, I and we'll get into some of the troubles here in a minute. Uh, you said you guys do plan how many adventures or issues you're going to play, correct? Like, do you usually do three, yeah, we, six? We we usually uh, usually do plan it. Um, usually, it is it, I, six is a good number. Um, usually, like I said, most of my experiences with role playing with role playing superhero games with my with my groups is we it's usually you know usually it's in between other sessions of games yeah so we'll agree like all right we're going to take a break it's going to be like a four-week break so there's four issues and then right there uh it's whatever time we allot to to say like you know what we'll just do this if we really like the game we'll we'll return to it when so it's your side game it it is it's usually (laughs) you know that's the thing about superhero games i mean i i've um, with the exception of one campaign where where um, Jay Libby, uh, who was who was the uh, the the G card um, guru, uh, he he there's a session that we run with him that's been ongoing, um, and his I don't think he I don't think there's a, a limit of, of of his issues. He just we just go on and we we go with him and we we we're basically a a a, a group like the Avengers. Yep. And the cool thing about that is if we it's not very often we don't meet very often it's like usually once once every few months usually we try to make it once a month but you know life yeah uh, life three kids you know yeah life real life gets in the way so we usually you know once every two months and um and and we go with that and it's an ongoing adventure off based off of that and that would be a, that's that's a main campaign for me um and it's fun it is a lot of fun uh and but yeah, it's not. It's usually, honestly, it usually is the side, like a side game or a side quest. Yeah, side that happens to us a lot too, where it ends up being like someone's missing that week. We pick up another game, then everybody wants to play it. We play it for four weeks. I try not to let that happen too often, but it happens. I try to have a planned game for when people are away, and I found superhero games work well for that because you usually have a plethora of a cast, and if yeah. someone's missing that week, it's okay. They're just not in that issue. 
It's harder when you're in the middle of a dungeon and all of a sudden somebody's missing. Exactly. No, exactly. And that's the the key to it. And um, that's the key to being the superhero game is that you can have, you have this cast of characters and if somebody just drops off for that one issue, that's okay because you have the others and they'll just have to, you know, you can cater to that. Um, So, yeah, that's, I think that that is the, the good niche about superhero games that it can, it can fill that space in between games. Yeah, I agree. So we've talked about a lot, but we haven't talked about the problems. <laughs> so the troubles of superhero games, I still think they're one of the hardest things to run. I can run in a incredibly deep horror game with people being frightened during parts of it easier for myself to run that than it is to run a superhero game and keep people locked into the scope of the game, keep myself interested because of the problems that come up during superhero games. For me, the biggest ones we run into are how fast is a six to an eight? How strong is a six to an eight? This chart doesn't really exist for this. We had this problem with Cypher when we were running a superhero game. You know, can I lift a truck or can I only lift a car? These are the kind of problems that arguments happen And I think a lot of it, for myself, comes from playing very strong mechanic games like Pathfinder, where you expect an answer to an arbitrary amount where you're like, hey, can I do it? And you're like, well, I don't know, roll. And the GM is just making it up on the fly. It is a very weird scale of power. Not everyone can lift a car. Um, Some people can do it through telekinesis. So... These are the kind of issues I run into, along with like keeping powers in check, um, running a full team, running a duo, how to keep a story moving. That kind of stuff is difficult. Keeping powers in check, I think, is the hardest thing. Do you run into these things? Like I know I do. Every time I run a superhero game, um, the the biggest yes, the 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 power check is probably the the biggest thing that I've run into um where where you you find yourself um like how much well okay so i have a you know i have a great a great running speed and you know i have an eight for my running my my fast speed uh well you have a six does that mean that you're just slightly slower <laughs> right does that like, mean what is you're that really mean? slower i mean exactly where where do you stand with against each other um you know, a good example is, is, is Flash and Superman. Both of them have super speed. Yep. Flash is faster. Technically. Faster, but again, <laughs> how, how much faster is he? <laughs> so it, it's kind of one of those. Um, that's what I've come across. Also, the, the misinterpreting power levels. Oh, my God. Misinterpreting that. You know, masterminds is powerful for that. Uh, where, you know, oh, wow, well, I didn't know you could, <laughs> you know, you're playing a street-level game. Well, well, I didn't know that you could just <laughs> think and, and, and you know, eliminate all these opponents all at once. Nope. <laughs> you know, misjudging like that. That's that's the one thing I found. It's very easy to misjudge in, in a superhero game. Yeah. More so than, than the other games like sci-fi or, 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 or D&D or, or, or fantasy. You, you can easily misjudge the, the, the power that these people have. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the job of the, G, the, the GM to make sure that 
you know, it doesn't happen, but it, it can be very easy. Like, you know, it, it, again, you're, you're like, you know, I had, I had one character who I ran on a con and I thought it was pretty innovative what he did, but he could turn himself into, um, it was a, and this was a pre-gen character too. So this was, uh, I just didn't, you know, think of this. His ability was that he, he could shapeshift and he was, he was made of, of water. Okay. So he could shapeshift and change his, his shape. He, he also could expand himself because he was made out of water. So he, they were fighting a giant robot and he jumped on the robot and seeped into the robot because uh, he was made out of water and then expanded himself. And basically blew the the robot from the inside. Well, I wasn't expecting that. I thought it was cool, but that's just the I that was a I thought it was cool that he did that, but that was one of those. Wow, I was not expecting that. I wasn't expecting that that the, the that his power could do that. <laughs> you know, so expect that if you're going to run something, I guess, and that that's that's hard to to judge. Yeah, benchmarks is what uh, a lot of people uses a term for it and icons this is the one thing i did with them that i loved there is an idea for benchmarks in the game where it's one through ten and they break it down for four categories the weight of something the material of something the distance and the speed and i was like holy shit that is exactly what i have been looking for for the breakdown of the problems i have with power checks so even if i were to go and run say marvel heroic or champions I would probably yank this out and re replace it with the numbers needed from that system. So their example of a, a level one for weight is brick, materials, leather, distance is a couple of yards, speed is a sprint. You get into five, a weight is a motorcycle, materials, concrete, distance is 10 to 20 blocks, and then speed's a fast helicopter. You don't start getting into like speed of sound till seven, supersonic at eight, for speeds. And they do this great breakdown. Steel is an eight, diamonds in nine, 10 is unobtainium. Unobtainium. I can't talk today. Unobtainium? Yeah, unobtainium. Basically, it's not a real material. But they have a breakdown of this on here. And this is something for me that has been missing from superhero games. I wish there was more of it. It's about the benchmarks. I also have a problem with scope and scale when I play in superhero games. I don't know about you, but scope and scale is hard. How do you go from street level to, you know, national travel to space travel? Are you are you hand waving? Are you drawing an arrow like Indiana Jones? For me, my my toolbox trick has been to take things and explain it as um, as either a panel or as cinema where. It's like, all right, are you guys all ready? Are we good to go? They're like, yeah, let's go. And then I will explain them leaving in their spaceship or teleporting from point A to point B. Take a moment, explain the new location that they're in and go to really set the scene because I found scenes change frequently in superhero games. And the way I explain things in this is a little different. When you're at super speed, sometimes you process things really well. But the person you're carrying with you is not processing that speed well. You may drag him across the continent in no time, and they may not realize what happened. So I'll explain it from, now if I've explained the super speed for him numerous times, you run down the city block, you can you know, read each one of the names on the signs. 
you know that this is first, this is Potter. You're coming up on 57th. You're now exiting the city. You run off the ramp that goes out of the area. And then all of a sudden, you pull up into the gas station you're looking for two states away. Read every sign on the way. You know exactly where you are. The gas station looks like X. If he has done this numerous times, I explain it to him. He knows what the super speed travel's like. I'll let him notice things. But anytime that would be different, there's another speedster. A bullet flies by. They're carrying someone with them. I will change the way that travel sounds and looks to make them feel the difference. I do the same thing for super speeds. I do it for how powers work. Because scope and scale is everything in superheroes. When that when the scope changes because the scale of the person with them, the power they're using, or someone interacting with them has changed, that's when I make sure those descriptions are very detailed to make them know, holy shit, this isn't what it was before. And it's a small narrative trick, but it, it helps a lot when dealing with this size and grandeur of, of players. Is there any tools or tricks that you use dealing with how you're telling the story for keeping powers in check? Because I, I, it's, it's the hardest thing I think there is to do. Uh, yeah, the it is the hardest thing to do just to keep the powers, you know, in check. Um, no, there's nothing I can think of offhand that I'd do differently than I wouldn't, you know, would with any other role playing game. Um, mostly, like you had mentioned, this it would be in the story elements, um, quick things that that would that the the hero would pick up, um, uh, or you know, he, for, you know, example, the speedster was fighting a, a ninja and I described the combat a little different for the speedster because um, he was amazed that, you know, with amazement, you, you find that the ninja is actually blocking your your shots more often than not, as if he almost had super speed, just to explain that, you know, his, his inner, his, his other superpower. Um, so little story elements like that really make a difference. Um, but beyond beyond that, there's nothing more that I do differently than than any other role playing game. I will say the other thing I've done for powers is um, I have players design how their powers look. Um, a lot of times, I, I see players overlook this. Like when you shoot your energy blast, what particle effect is it? Is it the old Kirby with the black circles? Is it a pure energy? Is it a plasma wave? Like describe what it looks like. And I make little notes, you know, on the, the sheets that I have for each one of the players so that when I'm describing their blast hitting something, it has the same thematic feel that the players have. And also player investment is everything in any game. Getting a player to be invested in a superhero game means that they need to not only be involved with their characters and their people's characters, like their, their other players at the table, they also need to be involved with building of the team. You want them to put their skin in the game so that when they sit down the next issue, they're locked in. They're, they want to do this. I also like having them help build villains. Um, and I have them help build villains for other people. I have them help build story headlines that maybe are seen in a newspaper. Like, hey, guys, what, what was seen in the newspaper today from a supervillain in the area? And I may not use that supervillain for a while. But I will then develop him over the course of the next couple of plays and then bring him back in. Because 
they'll remember that. They'll remember they talked about, oh, yeah, there, uh, yeah, there's a guy down, down in the downtown area that uh, had been tunneling under and pulling cars underground. Cool. Are we going to deal with that today? No, you're not. You're dealing with what we had before. But these are headlines and other superheroes in this living world that have been dealing with this stuff. And then I will bring the tunneler in three, four issues later. That kind of stuff is huge because players get that oh wow moment because they feel like they had a part of it. it. It keeps them interested. Keeping players interested too, it's easy to do it in superhero games because you're playing more likely in a modern setting. Maybe not. You can text, you can discord, you can send things to them in character as a villain. I've done that numerous times. Put an email out and send it to everybody or put it into a text circle and, and send it to everybody in the text as the villain letting them know, I know where you are, I'm watching you, that kind of stuff, just to keep them interested between those sessions. Those are just little tricks that you can do to, to kind of do this. Um, I try to give us any extra ideas, like the troubles that I run into. David, can you think of any other problems you run into running superhero games? Um, the only other thing, like I said, is... Um, is keeping the character a lot of the a lot of the lot of the um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's the interest level um, is usually sometimes can get away from a superhero game really quickly. Um, if you're especially if it's a mixed group, but I found that um, I also like to give out little little things that the players have done. And you know, jot it down to bring it back later. Maybe something a little, a little different, like you know, that mom and that little child that they saved will come back later and become and be so admired by the superhero that he wanted to be a superhero, or, or uh, maybe that um, the that minor criminal that they put behind bars had a family, and and he then his family resents them. I mean, it's it's the same with any role playing game, but. You, you can, I find that, you know, putting little narratives down and just starting them down and bringing them back later makes it for a, a great, a great session. And I, there's, I don't think there's any more tr troubles than what you've mentioned um, that I've come across. Um, keeping the players engaged is, is probably a, 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 a good one. Uh, and, you know, just, in general, having them excited to to want to come back uh, and play, but it is it isn't as hard, I think, as in a in a superhero game because people want to play the superhero, want to be the hero. Um, but yeah, nothing really more of that. I, I like uh, I like trying to find a way to <laughs> Champions Online has a very robust character generator. And a lot of us at the time have been playing and we have like all the character, like all the unlocked stuff. And I tell people, make your character, at least what they look like. Give us an idea of what they are. That's been really helpful, too, because um, I don't have time to draw a bunch of superheroes. I do have an artist in our group that has drawn superheroes before for the group. If we played a lot. Um, what else has been pretty pivotal for me for tips of running it? Uh, superhero games also. Make sure that the idea, like everybody has a weakness. That weakness doesn't need to be kryptonite. It could be family. It could be, you know, maybe they're in school. Those kind of weaknesses should be played up, but don't beat on them too often. 
Like you want those weaknesses to come up and, and have them be important. There are rules in some of your books, depending on what system you pick, where they talk about, hey, don't use a weakness more than once every three sessions. Um, and then growth. I think that's the other problem for me in superhero games. Spider-Man has been the same Spider-Man forever, but he has gotten some new tools, new tricks, new trades. Superhero games, people want to increase their power and get better and, and get new things they can do. That's hard because honestly, when you read comic books, they get some new powers in the beginning as they're learning their stuff, but then they hit a level where they just kind of cap out and they learn to flex their powers, not to actually do a new power. Like you don't gain fire when you hit ice unless there's a reason. Find new inventive ways for players to use their power is a great way to keep them interested. If someone wants to shoot a fireball, instead of shooting a fire stream, let them do it, raise a difficulty. Most systems have a way, but let them be inventive with it. Saying yes more often than no is the best way to run a superhero game. The only times I think I say no is during character creation to keep with theme. Other than that, it's kind of a free-for-all. If it doesn't break theme, I say yes and just give them a difficulty and they need to do it. I don't know about you, David, but saying no in a superhero game just doesn't feel superhero-y. I, I, totally, I totally agree with the, uh, the growth thing. I, I, it's one of those things where I, I actually forgot about that. That's true. It is very hard to, to gain a new power or increase a power. Um, I mean, I, it, it is. It is. It is kind of funny that you mentioned it because that was one of the, that was actually one of my my gripes when I when I was in when I was when I role played Marvel was like, all right, um, they do have. I mean, systems. Some some systems have ways of of you know doing power stunts where you're kind of you know, you're suddenly you're using your your you know, your web slingers to do other things. Um, I personally, I like that to be left up with the player. Like the the example with the water person uh, was a perfect one. I mean, he had shape. He had the shape shifting ability, and he had the like he could grow, like growth, like uh, like an Ant Man. So, yeah, he. I could have. I could have said no. You can't do that. That's beyond the scope of your power. You're not going to be able to do that. But I didn't. And saying yes is is definitely a key factor to having fun in a superhero game because if you say if you let them expand their powers and let them do it in different ways, that that's awesome. Another example was um, the speedster. He actually, the, 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 the ninja superpower was that he could turn into smoke. Mm-hmm. So to prevent the ninja from turning to smoke, the, the superhero with the speedster just ran around in a circle really super fast, making like a, a like a, 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 like a tornado, like a suction. I could have said, no, it's not going to work that way. And let let the the villain escape and do. But I said, yeah, you can, yeah, you could do that. That's awesome. That's a good idea. Let's let's keep him in there. So suddenly now the speecher has the ability to to make small tornadoes, or some kind of you know something cool like that. But the the power, yeah, that the biggest challenge of that is, is the growth, uh, the rewards. Um, I mean, in D anD D, there's there's a hard reward. You're going to get your gold pieces. You're going to get magic items. You're going to get you're going to get experience. Yeah. So, and I think the Flash TV show does a fantastic job of like showing power growth. If you want to see a visual representation, Barry Allen in that show is learning a new power every couple episodes. Or I should say a flex for the power he already has. 
Agreed. Yeah, that's a good way of, of saying it. Just it's just that that element is is not present in a lot of the superhero games where the rewards that normal that you're expecting as a as a player in a role playing game you get. If you're if you're if you make that known up front, it's a lot easier. <laughs> a lot yeah, easier players knowing like, hey, you know what? You, you you're here you're you're here to, to build a heroic story, not to not to expand too much. So don't ex, don't expect as long as they have that expectation, I think we're okay. I I agree, agree wholeheartedly. Um, well, I think that's it for me for tips and running it. I I just. It's it's difficult and it takes time. It's like any other game you got to kind of master. So we're going to quickly do uh, an ad for the people who make this thing actually happen. We have tons of different ads that cycle through on Anchor. Um, and then this new one here is one of my favorites. Okay, now that the ad's over, I, I got to say... The fact that Anchor makes it easy for me to now have ads on my podcast by finding these sponsors, one of my favorite reasons to be using Anchor right now. I cannot believe that they do that. Instead of me spending time hunting them down, they just find right fits for me. And you get to pick the ones you like and say no to the ones you don't. It's it's pretty amazing. I, I hope I hope they get some other ones in here like D&D Beyond. I would love to have that kind of thing. We'll, we'll see. So... We talked over all the stuff. I really don't have anything else to say or any parting words for superhero games. It's just time, difficult. Do your due diligence, though, and have fun. Like, say yes, it's a superhero game. You're supposed to have that kid-like emotion about it when you're reading it of your favorite superhero. And remember this. This is the one thing as a GM I mess up frequently. A player who loves their character and enjoys them, if they are not disruptive, you should be encouraging what they're doing. Even if it's not your idea of your favorite superhero. We all have superheroes that we don't like. You have to set that shit aside and just enjoy the game with your friends. I am not a fan of Batman. But that doesn't mean I should tell someone not to play a Batman-like character. That's something as a GM, a hurdle you're going to have to get over you're going to have to find cool ways to write things around it. Enjoy the villains you make for it. But because someone makes Plastic Man and you hate that character doesn't mean someone shouldn't play it. Some people just like goofy characters. And goofy can be good. Just make sure it fits the theme. So let's get into the behind the screen. David, I know you're working on some stuff here. This is your chance to kind of shout out anything you're doing. When things are going to be released. What do you got for us? All right. Well, I like I mentioned, uh, I am starting just started a new game design company or uh, we we're going to primarily do G core modules, but uh, we we can't expand to other gaming systems. So it will be pretty much easy to generic. Uh, it's called bags and it stands for badass gaming solutions. <laughs> um, That's and awesome. we're on Facebook. Uh, so, you know, go ahead. Do a like. Uh, but uh, we are planning our first module. I've uh, ahead, ahead of time, I'm, I'm posting up some characters um, that belong to this uh, universe called Guard. And Guard is is an Avenger-like team run by a government. Guard is is a government agency 
Uh, it stands for Government Ultimate Action Response Division. And this government agency is basically run by a, um, a gentleman named uh, a superhero, so all, all, all supers. And the gentleman, the, the Nick Fury of, of the, the whole thing is, is a guy named uh, Colonel Division 20. Who has a superpower? His superpower is that he can divide himself into twenty individuals, and each individual has different skill sets. And I kind of made a little, a little corny, uh, but each of them are ba- the the major ones are based off the dice. Like there's a D four, uh, there's a D six, like in division tw- and Mister and the Colonel is D, is the D twenty. Uh, so he's his his group uh, is is the player characters and they they come together um, and the module hopefully will be re- I'm hoping for release either the beginning of next year uh, probably sometime in the first quarter nice uh, by March that's what I'm looking for uh, but I will be putting up some content here and there uh, we have a partnership with Green uh, Dilly uh, Green, uh, uh, sorry, <laughs> your friend's company, man. Right, right. And Dilly Green Bean Games, uh, and he's actually a very accomplished uh, artist and uh, artist, and he helps me with some of the designs and, or is helping me with the design of the characters. Um, so I'm, I've also had some other people, including yourself, helping me out. Yep. Uh, so do a cartography for you. I haven't yeah. I haven't done a superhero cartography in a long time. Yes. So hopefully, with all luck, um, this will probably be. I'm I'm shooting for end of January, beginning of February, but we'll see. Probably March. I'm, I'm definitely by the end of March. Do you have a name for it? With the what's the name of the adventure? Yeah, it's it's called uh, the it's Guard versus Pirates uh, Ambush at Sea. What I'm going to do with this <laughs> this particular series is it's going to be a versus series. It's going to be Guard versus something else. Um, and then there'll be a title for the, the actual adventure. And this one is God versus Pirates, Ambush at Sea, where the pirates are all super-powered pirates. Um, and there's going to be a, the follow-up, which I've, I'm kind of creating for um, Total Con 33. Uh, it's oh, called, no. Yep. Total, Total Con 33 is going to have a, a quick adventure that's going to be following up. And that that's going to be God versus Rome, where the the team goes back in time to help julius caesar so we'll see so that's that's the concepts right now uh and like and hopefully this will start something interesting and new uh i don't i don't intend to uh keep it just in in that genre i do it's i do want to expand but for now that's what it's going to be it's going to be superheroes and hopefully expand from there they're so fun to write adventures that you mean you just explained it in one go like you're going back to help caesar like how often is that in a game exactly you gotta just be ready to have fun when you play superhero games yes yeah i that's that's awesome dude i i'm excited to see it i've been working the map is in its final stages i'm doing the fonts um and i've read the adventure the precursor for it like where you're at right now and people are gonna get the butts kicked <laughs> I'm just saying <laughs> it's 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 gonna be it's gonna be it's you're gonna be fighting some stuff. Um 
So yeah, that's awesome. I had no idea you were doing this until you reached out. So that's that's pretty awesome. Where can people follow you and what you're working on and all that kind of stuff? Where, what's the best social media spots to find you? Yeah, um, uh, Facebook, Bags under Facebook uh, is probably the best. Uh, I'm usually on there. That's the my, my social media of choice is, is Facebook. Um, so you, you're more than welcome to befriend me. My name is Dave Benavides. Um, and definitely like bags and if you have any any questions just reach out to me there awesome well for myself everybody you know i've been doing the stuff for efp Uh, the the new adventure path for plotted adventures is going to be starting up here this month and into january uh magic and monsters marks of men the 5e setting that i have is coming to a close soon um all the playtesting is done. I like about where it is. I'm doing a few things. There may be an add-on in the future, uh, but I like where it's at. And I'll be moving on to actually putting together, as many have asked, Authentia is finally going to get put together. I don't know what the system is going to be. Systems have changed a lot in the last two years. It went from Pathfinder to, to Cypher System to now looking at maybe Shadows of the Demon Lord. So... Be ready. It will be coming out. That will be on my Patreon as well under Eric Frankhouse Presents. But David, I just want to say thanks for joining me today. I, I I didn't know who to bring on for a comic book thing. Like, There's not a lot of people that I personally know designing comic book adventures or comic book games. And I know they're difficult for myself to run. And you, you're writing an adventure, so you should at least somewhat know what you're doing, right? Exactly. <laughs> So I hope you guys all enjoyed this deep dive on running comic book games, your four color, your superheroes. And if you like what EFP does, share it with your friends. Follow us on Anchor. Listen on your favorite podcatcher. You can see me also on Facebook under Eric Frankhouse and my Patreon, Eric Frankhouse Presents. That's all for me today. David, again, thank you for joining me on the show. We'll have to have you on after you get your stuff completed. Maybe maybe do a little... Little, uh, what do you do? A live play? Maybe we'll do an actual play of your game. I don't know if you're going to be recording one. We could pick your favorite section and record a live play or something. That'd be kind of fun. That would be interesting. Yeah, that's a, a good idea. Um, I just have uh, one final word. I want to thank you for bringing me on. Uh, it was a pleasure. Oh, for sure. Uh, and my just final words of um, Excelsior, friends. Excelsior. Excelsior. That's for sure, man. Love, love the man. Have a good day, everybody. Watch, listen, learn, and thanks for listening. Till next time. This is Eric. I'll talk to you. Magic and Monsters, Marks of Men is now available on Patreon. From award-winning game master Eric Frankhouse comes a new 5th edition setting of High Magic. Learn more at patreon.com forward slash Eric Frankhouse presents. So if you are a fan of the show and you enjoyed this and you like the long form interviews, let me know. Call into the show. 
drop an email, find me on social media under EFP. If you're part of my Patreon, you can contact me there. But let me know. I really enjoy the long-form interview style. I did it with Brian Bird from TPK Games in the back. My buddy uh, Andrew Staten, actor out of L.A., does VO work, voiceover. And now with David. I really enjoy doing these. I did one with Rob Schwab, but unfortunately that did not record. Fuck you, Skype. Um, and if you like these, I'll do more. But that's the episode for the day, and I hope this helped you run things for comic book games, because like I said, I love GMing, but that is the hardest thing for me to keep going long form. And maybe some of this sparks some ideas for you, or if you have ways that you run comic book games that make them last and and have story and content and, and are longer than that three to six sessions, let me know. Call into the show on Anchor. It's a free app for podcasting. I love it. I love the community here. And uh, until next time, everybody, enjoy the show, watch, listen, learn, and remember to share so we can grow this and have this be something we can all be a part of because community in gaming is everything. See you next time.